0: So one of the things that I love about scripture is how practical it can be. And if I'm honest, there are times that I don't like how practical it actually is. Because the Holy Spirit can use the word of God, can use scripture to speak to us in ways that makes us realize that, hey, there are some things that we need to change. And sometimes I don't even want to open the pages because I know that the things that are in there are going to change my life. But the great thing about Scripture is it changes us for the better and makes us more like Christ. And today, the passage that we're going to look at is one of those passages. You see, I'm one of those people that likes to push buttons. In fact, I enjoy creating conflict or strife in relationships sometimes, sometimes way too much. Just this past week, I convinced one of our church planners to create a conflict in his relationship with Travis just to see how it would play out. I can't describe to you the joy that I feel seeing that happen. But if I'm honest, there are things that I don't want to have conflict in, and that's my own relationships. See, it's a lot more fun for me to see it happen in somebody else's life, but I don't want it to happen in mine. And when there's conflict in my relationships, it makes me uncomfortable. It makes me uneasy. In fact, I kind of try to shy away from it. I don't want to have conflict in the relationships that I'm involved in. I just want to see it in other relationships so that I can be entertained. And more than likely, there are those listening today that kind of feel the same way. We don't want conflict in our relationships. And sometimes conflict we can see coming from a mile away, and then other times it seems like it pops up out of nowhere. Just to give you an example in my life, there there sometimes conflict comes in the silliest things. My wife is an incredible lady, and she keeps our family running. We have three teenagers that have their own lives and schedules going on. My wife and I both work full time, and yet somehow she allows to, she's able to juggle all of that and keep us going in the right direction very rarely does anything ever fall through the cracks. And so in order to help her, one of the things that I do is I do a majority of the laundry. And I'm one of those guys that when I start something, I want to complete it. So when I start a load of laundry, I'm usually pretty good about switching it to the dryer and then taking it out of the dryer, getting it folded, and then putting stuff away or telling the kids, hey, you've got clothes to put away. And sometimes I get busy and I have busy weeks where I can't keep up on the laundry. And my wife helps me out with that. But unfortunately, she doesn't have the same desire to see the laundry through that I do. And so you can imagine in our relationship how much conflict has arisen over socks being matched and put away. And, you know, when we look at this... In our life, there's so many things that can cause conflict. Some are little silly things like socks, and then there are other things that are huge matters and huge problems. So as we continue this series in Abraham today, we can see how Abraham handled conflict in one of his relationships, as well as we can see there are some principles in Scripture that help us navigate how to handle conflict when it arises in our personal relationships, But before we do that, could we just take a minute and ask God to speak through his word to us today? So would you pray with me? God, we thank you today for your love for us. And we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and the price that he paid on the cross for our sins so that he could have a relationship with us. God, we're grateful for the word of God, for scripture that speaks to us. And I just ask over the next few minutes, Lord, that you would clear our hearts, clear our minds, remove distractions, That we'll be able to focus on what the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us through Scripture. And God, we will give you the praise for it and you the honor for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now to catch us up on this series, this is week three of this series. And we've learned a couple things through the weeks. The first week, uh, we talked about Abraham being called out of his own country. God comes to him and says, Abraham, I want you to follow me. And Abraham wasn't sure where he was going, but he obeyed that call of God in his life. And basically we learned that trusting in Christ is the ultimate line of defense when there's a lack of confidence. And then last week we looked at Abraham's story of when uh, he went into a, a foreign land and he told his wife Sarah to say that, he was her, that she was his sister because she was so beautiful. He was afraid what would happen if they found out that he was, she was his wife. And because of his fear, he convinced her to lie. And it opened up a whole can of worms and there were some issues that arose from it. And we learned that fear can reduce our faith and confidence in the Lord. So today we're going to pick up the story in Genesis chapter number 13. So if you have a copy of the scriptures, I challenge you, open it up to Genesis chapter number 13. And we're going to start in verse number 5. Genesis 13, 5 says this. Now Lot, who went with Abram, now Abram there is Abraham. His name gets changed a little bit later. We'll be addressing that in a few weeks. But Abram also had flocks and herds and tents. So Lot goes with him and he says, but the land was not able to support them both dwelling together because their possessions were so great. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. He goes on to say this, "'The Canaanites and the Perizzites "'dwelled in the land at the same time. "'So Abram said to Lot, "'Let there be no strife, I ask you, "'between me and you, "'and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, "'for we are close relatives.'" Basically, Abraham comes to Lot, who is his nephew. Abraham brings Lot with him when he leaves his homeland. Lot follows Abraham and Sarah out of it because he wants to be part of something bigger. And, and they get, uh, as they're following God, God continues to bless them with uh, larger herds and larger flocks. And more people follow him and working for him. And they get to this land and it's too crowded for both of them to be in. And these issues are arising between the the shepherds, basically. And they say, I want my flock here. And no, I want our flock here. And this is going back and forth. And Abraham hears about this. And so he goes to Lot. And to add to this friction, there's these group of Canaanites and Perizzites still in the land just waiting to jump in and pounce and maybe cause even more havoc and more trouble. And so... Abraham gets to this point and he says, listen, there is no need for strife between us. See, Abraham recognized the effort it took for unity. Unity is so hard to have in anything these days. We live in a culture that it's an all or nothing idea. It's an either or. It's very hard to be on both sides to try to find common ground with anybody because we're struggling to have unity. There's so much strife in our life and and sometimes as followers of Christ, we forget that he's called us to live in unity. In fact, in the New Testament, there was an apostle by the name of Paul who wrote the church of Ephesus in Ephesians chapter four, and verse three. He said, be eager to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. We are challenged as followers of Christ to look for unity. Where are we at today? Is that something we strive for? Are we eager to keep the unity? Or Are we looking for every chance possible to create division and conflict? We need to recognize that it takes effort to have unity. In that same verse that Abraham came to Lot and said, hey, listen, there's no reason for this strife. Abraham reminds Lot of something as well. He says, listen, we're close relatives Lot wasn't just a relative of Abraham's. He was a close relative. It was his nephew. And in that moment, I think Abraham was reminded of the value of the relationship. His relationship with Lot was more important to him than having a place for his sheep to graze or having a place for his many herds to hang out. No, he wanted that relationship with Lot to be where it should be. He valued that relationship. One of the things that I've learned here at Miles City, even before I was on staff, was um, we value relationship. It's important to us. If you come to our Plymouth location, in our front warehouse, we have the five virtues hanging on the wall. And one of those five virtues is audacious care. And in that phrase, we, we describe what audacious care is. And at the end of our description, we, we put this statement. We say, we believe that in an imaginary conversation... With someone deserves a real conversation. When we're having those imaginary conversations in our head, those conversations that happen when we're alone, maybe when we're trying to fall asleep or maybe when we're out exercising or maybe when we're spending time driving to work in our car, those imaginary conversations we have deserve a real conversation. In fact, around here, we call them a 10% conversation. We're willing to have those 90% of conversations, but those 10% deserve a real conversation as well. And when I came on staff, I learned that this was a priority. This wasn't just a saying that we hung on the wall, but this is something that we practice. When we have one-on-ones with staff, we always ask, hey, are there any 10% conversations that we need to have? Because we want to value what audacious care looks like. We want to model that in our life because we care about, we value relationships. And as a follower of Christ, we need to value relationship. We need to understand that, listen, this relationship is important. Important enough for me to be a little bit uncomfortable. Important enough for me to feel a little um, uneasy about having this conversation. But I care so much about you and I care so much about our relationship that, hey, we're going to address this conflict head on. Abraham has this conversation with Lot, but as the conversation is going, look what he says in verse number nine of Genesis chapter 13. He says this, this, is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you will go to the left, then I'll go to the right. Or if you will take the right, then I will go to the left. Lot lifted up his eyes and looked at all the valley of the Jordan that it was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord like the land of Egypt as you go to Zoar. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Then Lot chose for himself the entire valley of the Jordan and journeyed east, and the two of them separated from each other. What a great lesson that we learn from Abraham in this passage. He didn't come into this conversation with guns blazing. He didn't come in and say, listen, Lot, you're my nephew. I brought you along. You have me to thank for where we're at, and so you're going to need to find a new place. I'm going to choose where I want to go, and you need to split. That wasn't Abraham's thing at all. In fact, he comes in there and he says, listen, look around. Look at all the land. Look at all this land that we have. And I think he's reminding Lot of what God had promised them. And he's diffusing, he's taking the temperature down on this conversation so that it doesn't start out heated. He's like trying to calm down and say, listen, we need to be reminded of what God's done for us and reminded of the blessings and the promises that he's given us. You know, as followers of Christ, I think one of the things that we can do in our conversations many times is to spend a little time in prayer, thanking God for unity and thanking him for the blessings that he's given us. We can lower that temperature. But he takes it a step further. Abraham doesn't just lower the temperature. He also says a lot, listen, you pick first. If you want to go to the right, I'll go to the left. If you want to go to the left, I'll go to the right. What he did was he set aside his rights. See, Abraham's rights didn't take priority over the relationship. Again, Abraham's more concerned with the relationship than he is with his rights. Because let's be honest, the blessings of God were promised to Abraham, not to Lot. These things that were coming this way these way, the reason that their herds were growing and their riches were growing was not God's blessing necessarily on Lot's life. It was God's blessing on Abraham's life. But Abraham was willing to set his rights aside. His goal going into this conversation was not to win the conversation. Not to win the conflict, it was to restore the relationship. Paul reminds us of this in Philippians. When he said in Philippians chapter 2, he said, Let nothing be done out of strife or conceit, but in humility. Let each esteem the other better than himself. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. See, this is one of those passages that I don't like reading because many times I'm a selfish person. And what Scripture is challenging us through this story with Abraham and Lot through this passage that Paul wrote in Ephesians, it's challenging us to, in humility, set our rights aside. It's not about us. It's not about what we want. We want to set our our wants and our desires and our rights aside and say, listen, I want what's best for this relationship. And when we allow humility to reign supreme in our life and set our rights aside, it's amazing what conflicts can be resolved and even what conflicts can be avoided. I'm reminded of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross and what scripture teaches us about how he set his rights aside and he humbled himself and became a man. And he did all that so that he could pay the price, the penalty for our sin so that he could have a relationship with us because he valued the relationship over what was right. It wasn't right for him to have to do that. He didn't deserve to die on that cross, but he did that. And it's only through the humility of Christ that we can have any chance to show humility in our relationships. But you might be thinking you don't understand what they did. You don't understand that they're at fault. I'm not the one at fault here. They're the ones that wrong me. And you're right. I might not understand. and, And you're right. They might be at fault. But remember the goal. The goal is the restoration of relationship, not winning the conflict. The goal isn't about being right. It's about making it right. Abraham set aside his rights. Jesus set aside his rights. And the sustainability of humility is only possible through him. And don't be discouraged because, I'll be honest, this humility thing is a hard lesson for me to learn. And there are many times that I look back on something I said or a way I act and I say, that wasn't a very humble thing. I was putting my rights before theirs at that point. I wanted to win that conversation. I wanted to win in that conflict. And don't be discouraged because Jesus understands we're going to fail at this over and over. But be encouraged that because of his humility, because of what he did, we can have this in our relationships. And we can have this humility that helps restore relationships and helps squash the conflict that comes our way. The story goes on in Genesis chapter 13 and verse number 14. And it says this. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, he said, lift So Abram moved his tent. He came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron. And there he built an altar to the Lord. Here sits Abraham. As Lot packs up his stuff and basically moves out. And scripture doesn't say how Abraham felt at this point. But he sees Lot move to the prime land, the well-watered plains, it says, of Jordan. And he sees him taking and, and maybe that was selfish of Lot. Maybe it was even rude. We can't see where Lot even sought God's face to see what he thought. And maybe Abraham's sitting here. And maybe he's a bit disappointed, maybe even discouraged, and maybe even defeated. And so God comes to him and he says, listen, Abraham, lift up your eyes and take a look around. He says, don't just look forward, but look to the east and to the west and to the south. Look everywhere. He says, everywhere that you look will be yours. But you might be thinking, wait a minute. Aren't there still Canaanites and Perizzites in the land? God's promised to make Abraham a great nation. And as far as we know, Scripture teaches us that there are no children in his life yet. Sarah hasn't had any kids. And his closest relative just moved out. How is this possible? Well, it's possible because nothing had changed from God's perspective. Nothing had changed when God saw what was happening. This wasn't a surprise to God that Lot was going to take that land. This wasn't a surprise to God that Abraham was maybe a little discouraged at the point. Nothing had changed. He was reminding Abraham of the immutable promise of making him a great nation. And what made Abraham great was Abraham remained grounded in the promises of God. He was reminded of how faithful God is to deliver on his promise. He was reminded of the faithfulness of God in his life. When Jesus was speaking in the book of Matthew, he made a statement, he said, with men... Things may seem impossible. With God, all things are possible. And sometimes we may look at conflict in our relationship and we, we, we may wonder, how is this, this going to work out? And sometimes we don't see the results that we want to see. And, and sometimes we get discouraged and we get defeated. Maybe we're disappointed that a relationship, a conflict in a relationship, really broke that relationship off, and, and that's no longer happening in our life. But what we need to understand is our timing isn't always God's timing. And sometimes when we put our head down in defeat, we need to lift up our eyes and we need to look to see the goodness of God and how God keeps his word. God promises he's always with us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. God doesn't leave us alone in these discouraging moments. God doesn't forget about us when we have conflict in relationship. No, he's right there ready to take our hand and guide the way if we'll just let him. but what if reconciliation doesn't happen? What if we don't see that happen this side of glory? What if we don't see it happen till we get to heaven? I think sometimes what happens is I know in my life I get discouraged and and I forget that what needs to happen is forgiveness. And sometimes all we can do is offer that forgiveness. Maybe we need to accept forgiveness. And forgiveness can be the hardest thing to do, but it can bring the most healing. And after that forgiveness is offered, it, and maybe it's accepted, maybe it's not, are we going to trust that God is who he says he is? Are we going to trust that God is faithful to deliver on his promises? This timing that Abraham had in his life wasn't anything like what God had. And yet God still delivered on his promises for Abraham. The last thing that we read in verse number 18 was that Abraham went and he built an altar to the Lord. He built this altar so that he could worship God. When Jesus was preaching his most famous message, the Sermon on the, Ra- the, Sermon on the Mount, he said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse forty, he said, we need to love our enemies and we need to pray for those that persecute us. Scripture doesn't say this, but... We think that maybe when he built this altar, there was some prayer going on for Lot. There was some time spent in prayer for Lot because he understood, hey, Lot is my, I value that relationship, he's my relative. I wanna see it turn out well for him too. One of the things we need to remember is we don't wanna underestimate the power of prayer when it comes to conflict. There's many times in my life when I've been in the midst of conflict and with somebody I've had that imaginary conversation and man, in that imaginary conversation, I really give them a piece of my mind. And I have this conversation back and forth and in the midst of that, so many times I have forgotten to pray for that person. I was in Bible college with someone and he was from Maine and so he didn't say his R's correctly. I'm not even gonna try to imitate his accent, but he would always tell me to bathe it in prayer. And then instead of calling me Barry, he would call me Bear. But he wouldn't say Bear, he would say Bear, And he would always remind me, hey, when things come our way, we need to bathe it in prayer. And that's so important in our life. We need to learn to remember that God's power comes through prayer. And Abraham spent the time praying for Lot. Abraham spent the time praying lifting up Lot, worshiping God. And and through this whole conflict, we can see Abraham seeking God's face and God speaking to Abraham because that was so vital in Abraham's life. And if we want to have confidence and conflict in our life, we've got to not underestimate the power of prayer. And today, I hope that your desire is to see God work through the conflict and maybe some of the relationships that you have. Maybe you sit there today listening and, and the Holy Spirit has begun to work in your heart like, hey, you've been having an imaginary conversation with this person. We want to just challenge it. Take a minute and pray for that person. And pray that God would work in their hearts and that God would restore that relationship and that God would give you wisdom in the conflict with that so that you can deal with that with confidence. And I have to be honest, there's conflict in a relationship for a lot of us right now. In fact, all of mankind has had conflict in this relationship. And the conflict was created by the sin that we commit. And the relationship is with Jesus Christ. And the great thing about Jesus was he was willing to humble himself and set aside all his rights so that he could pay the price for our sin. And that's why he came to earth to die on a cross for us. That's why he was buried for three days. And that's why he rose again. To have, to restore that relationship with us that he created us to have we're created in the image of God and his desire is to be in a personal relationship with us and many listening today they realize that that conflict could only be resolved by giving their life and putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and today if you sit there and you're listening and you're honest and you say you know what i feel that conflict i feel that that broken relationship i have with Jesus Christ because of sin If there's never been a time that you've given your life to Christ, today can be that day. And if that's your desire, I'm just going to ask you just for a minute to pray with me and say something like this. Say, dear Lord, I know that I'm a sinner and I thank you for sacrificing your life on the cross. I thank you for rising from the dead to have a relationship with me. And today, the best I know how, I'm putting my faith and trust in you. Thank you for the sacrifice of your life on the cross for my sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Now today, if you made that decision, We want to celebrate with you. That's the greatest decision you can. In fact, that's the best relationship you could possibly be in. And if you gave your life to Christ, that conflict of sin has been erased because Jesus Christ paid the price for it. And we would love to celebrate with you. If you would just take a moment and text the word Mile City to 94000 someone from our staff will reach out and we just want to come alongside you and answer any questions that you might have. Maybe pray with you, encourage you, give you any help that you're looking for because, man, we want to walk a lot inside with you because moving together is better. And for those of us that know Jesus Christ, if the Holy Spirit is working in your heart today and that conviction about, hey, I need to have that imaginary conversation. I need to have that 10% conversation with somebody. Just be encouraged that The Lord made it possible by his humility that we can be humble and set aside our rights. And he has a desire for you to restore those relationships in your life. Have the confidence to face the conflict.